Hello and welcome to Crosstalk. I'm Wes McAdams. On today's show, we're gonna address the question, where is God when tragedy strikes? When something horrible happens, many wonder, does God notice? Does God care? Why would God allow this to happen? We'll deal with this heart-wrenching issue when we return with today's special guest. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Baker Heights is a friendly, loving, growing, and biblical congregation. If you're in the Abilene area, please come visit us. Now, back to the show. Turn on the evening news any day of the week and you'll most likely see tragedy. Whether it's local tragedies like an automobile accident or national tragedies like terrorist attacks, our hearts break when we see the pain and suffering that people have to endure in this life. In the aftermath of a tragedy, many people wonder, where was God when that happened? Why didn't he prevent it? Why didn't he stop it? Those are some serious questions, and I believe they deserve a thoughtful and biblical response. That's why I've invited fellow preacher uh, to help us work through this important issue today. Today's guest is the preacher for the Oldham Lane Church of Christ, Chris McCurley. Chris, welcome to Crosstalk, Thanks brother. for having me. Appreciate it. Chris, this is a, this is a heavy subject, yep. and, and I want to ask, as, as a minister and as somebody that observes our culture, do you see this as a common reaction when tragedy happens? You really do. I mean, it seems like God gets blamed for everything, yeah. and we always want to know, well, where is God when it hurts, or why didn't God step in and stop this, or, or, or why, why did God allow this? And I think that um, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me is that we always want to blame God. Good or bad, we always want to blame God, and we don't realize that many of the things that we're talking about are the result of living in a fallen world. You know, even in the most perfect environments, there is rebellion, and we saw that in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They blatantly disobeyed Him by partaking of that forbidden fruit, and because of that, they were exiled, they were separated spiritually from God and ousted from the Garden of Eden. And that guarantees that we have suffering and natural disasters, sin in the world, and we see all these things, plus the fact that we are endowed with one of the greatest gifts that God could give us, and that is free will. Right. And some people exercise or utilize that free will in a way that is disobedient to God. And so God can't always be blamed. Uh, for these tragedies and things of that nature. Does, does he allow them? Uh, yes, in a way he does stand back and watch as these things proceed, but God is not a God of chaos. And to step in and to stop all of these things from happening would be chaotic to say the least. Right, right, absolutely. So when you, when you see somebody, whether it's a family that's lost a loved one in a tragedy and they're wondering, why didn't God prevent this? Why didn't God save my loved one? Or if it's a community that's, that's hurting because of some local tragedy, what do you say to, to that family or to that community when they, when they say, Chris, as a preacher, why, why did God allow this to happen to me? Well, I think you have to be very careful in approaching that because what people are feeling is very real. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with what they're feeling because it's very valid to ask why. Jesus even asked why from the cross. We see many times in the Bible people asking why. So it, that's not a terrible thing that somebody wants to question or, or wonder where God is at in tragedy. But what we try to do or what I try to do is, is very delicately, very, uh, uh, very slowly and calmly try to walk them through some of the things that uh, can help them to heal and maybe help them to understand a little better God's role in all of this. I think so, ma so many times we ask the question why and, and while that 
may be a valid question. I don't think it's the best question. I think the best question is how. How do I get through this with God on my side? Because the Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so the question not so much is why, but how. How does God help me uh, to get through this? How can I heal? How can I even be better after all of this? Uh, I think those are the things that we need to ask ourselves. But I think so many times we also say the wrong thing as Christians. I think we can say absolutely the wrong thing in trying to so-called comfort people. Right, you know, absolutely. We, you would say things like, well, you know, you, you must be special for God to allow you to suffer like this, mm -hmm. or, you know, that God will never give you more than you can handle. We hear that one quite often. Or uh, time will, will heal all wounds. When the best thing we could probably say is I'm here for you. Right. You know, whatever I can do, let me know. Right. That reminds me of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, that, that we are able, because we're comforted by God, we're sure. able to comfort one another. And, Absolutely. And I think that that does give us the opportunity to be there for one another sure. and help each other and just say, I'm sorry, and I'm here for you, and I love you, and uh, God loves you, and, and helping them to understand that. So, but there's some people that even take that next step, isn't there, that, that these tragedies allow doubts to seep in. And, and there's a lot of people in the world that are atheists or agnostics and use that as the reason why uh, they're an atheist or an agnostic and they're trying to convince others by using that and saying well since there's you say that there's an all-loving all-knowing all-powerful God out there but yet tragedy and pain and suffering exist and so they want to point at that pain and that suffering and that tragedy as evidence that there is no God so what do you say to somebody that's struggling with those issues that saying do these things in the world today do those disprove God or do they uh, give credence to the idea that there isn't a God well, you know, the atheist or the agnostic doesn't have an answer to that question either. Right. Uh, they always say, well, this is evidence, clear-cut evidence that there is no God. But what they can explain is how God seems to be even more present in tragedy. Now, I don't know if we always think of it that way, but, but consider some of the tragedies that we've had most recently. Go back to 9-11 back in 2001. Go back to Newtown, Connecticut and those school shootings. Go back to the tornado in uh, Moore, Oklahoma that happened last year. And you see so many people saying, it's amazing how people came to our support, who encouraged us, who gave us all these different supplies and, and met our needs. And it's, it's so uh, incredible to see the love of God in these tragedies like this. So I would say God is even more present when we see tragedies of that nature. But also, I think it's easy to blame God for all of those things, like I said before. And we've got to realize that living in a fallen world, these things happen, but also sin is a, is a major uh, contributor to some of these things. When you're endowed with free will, you can use it to bless God and to praise God, or you can use it to be disobedient to God. Those terrorists that flew those jets into the World Trade Center towers, uh, killing some 3,000 people, were uh, utilizing their free will in a way that was disobedient to God. God didn't cause that. God didn't make them do that, right. just as he didn't make Adam and Eve rebel in the Garden of Eden. So people will use their free will in a way that is, that is not in accordance with God's will. And it's unfortunate that many people die or uh, face terrible, tragic circumstances because of that, but that is the result of living in a fallen world. And so I think God is present in those situations. What the atheist or the agnostic cannot explain is how do you, how do you explain the person and, uh, that has so much goodwill in their heart, that, that loves people so much to reach out to them and to help them in a time like that. Right, right. They can't explain where that, that goodness comes from. Exactly. Those people that are benevolent and helpful in those times. If, if we're just evolved from mm -hmm. a one-celled organism, where did that goodness come from? And at the same time, um, 
they would look at the terrorist attacks and they would say, well, that was evil and that was mm -hmm. wrong. Uh, they would look at the shooting in Connecticut and they would say, well, that, that man was wrong for what he did. But on what basis do they, do they make those moral judgments? Well, the very fact that they consider those things evil recognizes that there's a standard. Right. They believe there's a standard and they can't explain the inherent goodness within people, the moral code that people have inside of them. And uh, that moral code causes people to reach out in certain situations like that, to be benevolent, to, to be compassionate. And so while they don't offer a good solution either, I would say God is even more present in those situations doing his work through his people. Right, yeah. and if we'll open our eyes in those moments, in, in those, those terrible tragedies, if we'll just open our eyes, instead of it uh, diminishing our faith, it really can help strengthen our faith in those times? Absolutely, we all know of someone. I was talking to my father this morning and he said he has a friend that just had a brain aneurysm sitting in his recliner, wakes up in the hospital and uh, didn't know what was going on, but they cut him from temple to temple to relieve the pressure in his brain and, and he is fine now. But he, he says, you know, this has changed my entire outlook on life. I no longer get too upset about anything. You know, if I want to sit and watch paint dry, I watch paint dry. I just don't take anything too serious anymore. Mm -hmm. And he says, it's totally changed my relationship with God and with other people. And so what people miss so often is that suffering can have a beneficial purpose. And in fact, the Bible speaks to that. But we don't approach suffering so much like the people did in the Bible. And if we looked at the way that they approach suffering, I think it would change our perspective a lot. Absolutely. That's a subject I want to talk about here in just a moment. We've got a lot more to talk about. So stick around. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Find out more about Baker Heights by visiting our website, bakerheights.org. Welcome back. We're discussing the question, where is God when tragedy strikes? Helping us explore that issue is Chris McCurley from the Oldham Lane Congregation. Brother, I really appreciate some of the things that you, we've discussed already and that you've said, and you've kind of touched on this already, but um, some people use the phrase, everything happens for a reason. And so I know well-meaning Christians, tragedy happens, whether it's somebody's child was killed in a car accident or whether it's a, a school shooting or something like that, and they'll, they'll say, well, everything happens for a reason, almost implying that God caused this to happen for some ultimate good, and it seems to me like that might make people resent God. So do you believe that idea of everything happens for a reason? I believe it in this way. I believe everything has a cause. It's just not always God. Mm. I think we need to stop giving credit to God for the devil's handiwork, and I think we do that far too often. The devil is at work. I mean, Jesus made that very clear in the Gospels that he is the prince of this world, that he is live, he is active. And uh, I, I think we give, uh, like I said earlier, God a lot of credit when Satan deserves um, you know, that credit. Uh, I can remember when my father-in-law was suffering from a brain tumor that eventually took his life. Well-meaning Christians would tell my mother-in-law, well, you know, maybe God gave him this tumor mm. in order to, you know, help him to grow closer to God or whatever. And I thought to myself, you know, what a ridiculous concept. God doesn't give people cancer. God doesn't give people tumors. And I know that, you know, people look to the Old Testament and they say, well, you know, God executed his judgments on people and on the nation at that time. But we have that recorded for us. We don't today. And we know that it's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment, you know, we know that the judgment will, will fall into the hands of, of Jesus when he comes back. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And, and so I don't believe that God gives people diseases and things of that nature to judge them at this point in time. I do believe that the devil is at work. I also believe, as we said earlier, that we live in a fallen world. And I believe that because of that, a lot of these things are guaranteed. It's a cursed earth. And so you're going to have natural disasters. You're going to have suffering. 
suffering and sickness and all those things. Everything probably does happen for a reason. There's a cause for it, but it's not always God. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And it and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about our tendency to ask why. And that's a that's a natural question sure. to say, you know, why did this happen or why me? But it's really an unproductive question and it really doesn't get us anywhere. The better question, like you said, is how. How do I use this or what? What do I do now? Uh, how can I use this for God's glory? How can I still serve him? How can I help comfort somebody else? Sure. Um, and as we look through scripture, you know, I think it's I think it's wonderful that God doesn't hide the fact that people suffer. Sometimes we act like if you become a Christian, oh, your suffering is over, there's gonna be no more pain, life is just gonna be uh, easy and, and peachy. Uh, but when we look at scripture, that's certainly not the case. Right. And we see people that are suffering and even people that are dealing with this question that we're talking about uh, today on uh, you know, why did God allow this to happen? So if you would maybe give us an example or two of people from scripture that struggled with this idea of why are good people or why am I going through this right now? Well, Job is the one that comes to mind. Right. I mean, Job dealt with this uh, idea of why am I being, uh, uh, you know, judged in this way? Why am, why am I suffering in this way? Why, why is God doing this to me? We have the benefit of reading Job after the fact and seeing what God was doing, uh, allowing Satan to test him as he did. But Job didn't understand it at the time he was going through it, which goes back to the question of why. We're never going to have all the answers. You know, his friends come on the scene and they try to give him an answer as to why. And it was this whole retribution thinking that you must have done something wrong as to suffer in this way because if you were righteous then you would prosper but because you are going through all of this there's some sin that you need to repent of and get out of the way so that you will prosper again and so that you'll be healthy of course God reprimands them for this terrible advice later on but Job didn't understand he didn't understand what he was going through he asked the question of why but you're never gonna get a full answer to that question one thing we need to understand my kids used to always say well well that's not fair well, whoever said life was fair? The Bible certainly doesn't. And Jesus certainly said that if you follow me, it's not gonna always be fair. In fact, you're gonna endure persecution. In fact, if you follow me, it's likely that your life will end. And so I think we need to consider suffering from a biblical perspective. And rather than constantly trying to find uh, someone to blame for our suffering and ask the why question, ask the question of how, but also understand that from a biblical perspective, this life is not all there is. And I think we struggle with suffering because we invest everything in this life. When in actuality, this life is a training ground for eternity. This world's not our home. Uh, we're just passing through. Peter says we're aliens and strangers in this world. Our ultimate destination, our ultimate home is heaven. And so this life is a training ground and we see in the New Testament many people who suffered, but they took it on gladly. Maybe they didn't enjoy it, but they took it on as a sign of this is gonna make me better and this is gonna prepare me for my eternal home with God someday. Right. You know, I, I look at, at the way we talk about suffering sometimes, and I think maybe some of that idea of karma mm -hmm. has, has seeped into our thinking right. that, you know, like Job's friends, they say, well, you know, if you're going through this, obviously uh, you had to do something, do something wrong or do something bad because, you know, this just doesn't happen to, to good people. Uh, but we look through scripture and we certainly see, and Jesus is another great example, isn't it? I mean, Jesus was perfect, but yeah. yet his life was, was filled with, with pain and suffering. Um, any other examples come to your mind when you we think that um, maybe maybe Paul? I mean, let's let's kind of think about Paul for just a second and and. Uh and Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Paul prayed three times that that mysterious thorn in the flesh be removed from him. And uh, God didn't see him as so righteous that he shouldn't have to go through that. He said, no, my, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. He didn't see it fit to remove that thorn in the flesh from Paul. But in fact, 
sent him out and, and he endured that as he continued to work for the Lord. Uh, we've gotten this idea, maybe it's because we live in a society of entitlement and we've been infected with that attitude that, you know, if I become a Christian or if I'm doing my due diligence to follow God, that uh, I should be, you know, uh, uh, live a life of convenience, that everything should work out for me, that, uh, you know, God should bless me in every way. And we kind of see God as this divine blessings vending machine. You know, right. I put in my prayer and he dispenses the blessing, but that is not what this life is about. This life is about serving God, whatever that might mean. And uh, trials are a part of life. Uh, I, I, I've said before, if you haven't gone through a trial, just hang on because you're probably going to. And I would even suggest to you that an untested faith is probably a weak faith, that there are things that we can only strengthen our faith through by going through at that time. Right. Uh, suffering allows us to draw closer to God. Suffering allows us to grow in our faith, to, to grow stronger in our relationship with God. And I think sometimes we dismiss that or we overlook that because we assume that this life is to be a life of convenience that if we're following God, that he should take care of us in that way. No, the purpose of this life is training ground for the next. And once we view our life in that way, then we understand that any suffering that comes our way, we're able to endure it. We may not enjoy it, I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying it's pleasurable, but we're able to endure it with the strengthening of our character and our faith so that we're better prepared for eternity. Right, absolutely. And you you mentioned about 2 Corinthians 12 and, and Paul, you know, that God told Paul, I mean, he told him no. He said, you know, Paul mm -hmm. prayed over and over again, you know, please, please take this thorn away from me. Just as many of us, you know, we pray, you know, help me with this situation. Take this situation away from me. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to endure it. And God said no. But then God said that, that his power is made perfect in weakness and that his grace was sufficient. And you know, it's in those moments. And, and as we look back at our life and we look at, at the moments that we grew the most, you're exactly right. I think that those moments where we grew the most weren't the easy times, right. they were the most difficult times. And, and if, we would, if we would appreciate the, them for what they are, not, not like, you, like you said, not enjoy it necessarily, not uh, relish it, but that we appreciate it for what it is, like James said. Yeah, James said, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you endure various trials. And uh, that seems so foreign to us because again, we, we look at suffering as punishment. We, we focus everything into this life and we don't necessarily see the big picture. I think God was showing Paul the big picture. You know, you're worried about this thorn in the flesh. I'm showing you the big picture. There's more to this than what you're seeing. And I think that we need to see the big picture sometimes. How many people do you know that uh, as a minister that you've come in contact with that uh, went through cancer or went through some debilitating disease and maybe they were declared cancer free? I know of one lady at our church that would tell you cancer is the best thing that ever happened to her. Mm. And you're thinking, how can you say that? but it's because it strengthened her faith, it drew her closer to God, and now she sees that it was all a part of building her character uh, for eternity. And I, I think if you, could, if you could give any kind of advice to someone who is going through suffering or who is maybe dealing with a trial or things of that nature, I, I think you've gotta be careful in how you handle that and what you say to them to, to say it appropriately in the, right, in the right way because it's not an enjoyable thing. It's right. not something that uh, anybody would wish upon themselves. But if we can try to see the big picture because suffering is really about perspective and how you approach it. If you see that, that this world is not all that there is, that there's something beyond it, and as Christians, we have something priceless. It's a four letter word that's called hope. Mm -hmm. And when we have hope, then you can endure uh, some of the most tragic circumstances knowing that at some point it's all gonna be made right.
at some point I'm going to enjoy comfort and peace and tranquility with the Heavenly Father for all eternity. Absolutely. You know, something that as we talk about this and as we encourage people to kind of see that bigger picture, I think we need to remind people too, don't you, that uh, does, or, or ask this question, I guess, does God care? I mean, when, when I'm hurting, even though that God knows, hey, eternity's coming, uh, does, God, does God care that, that I'm suffering with cancer? Does God care that, that I've lost my loved one? Does God care that, that I've broken a bone? Does God care about our, our aches and pains? Does God care about our, our suffering and our tragedies? Your question is always asked, where is God in our suffering? Where is God in our lowest moments? He's there. You know, David found that out. David said, I, where can I go to escape your presence? Nowhere. You know, no matter where he went to the pit of darkness and despair, God was there. We just need to connect to him in those times. You know, the, the old saying is, if you feel distant from God, he isn't the one that moved. Mm -hmm. So many times we look at suffering in a negative light and we draw away from God because we feel like that he's not there, he's not present, he's punishing us or whatever. No, God is there. God is present. God is willing to take us from that moment and help to get us better and to, to, to build our character, to, uh, to help us grow in our faith. But we are going to have to bridge that gap. God doesn't move. We move away from Him so many times in suffering because we feel that we have been disowned by Him or abandoned by Him. And that's simply not the case. He says, I will never desert you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. You know, and I, and I think that sometimes these well-meaning people that when we say things like uh, everything happens for a reason or God works in mysterious ways or these little things that we say kind of blaming God for what's going on, um, we, we almost turned suffering people against God when He's the one that they need to be going to in those times to, to comfort them and to strengthen them. What passage, if there's somebody that's watching right now that's, that's really hurting and really suffering, and I'm sure that there are, because like you said, if we're not, if we're not in a, a suffering time and a tragedy right now, we will be soon. So what passage of scripture or passages of scripture would you encourage them to, to read and take to heart uh, so that they can find some comfort? Sure, I, I think Romans 8 in its entirety is wonderful. You read a portion, you know, uh, 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 we talk about that all the time. Romans 8 is such a wonderful passage to help comfort one that is hurting because the whole idea or theme of Romans chapter 8 is hang on. Uh, it won't be this way for long. The trials you're going through are minuscule compared to the eternity that awaits you. And especially Romans 8, 18, where it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, uh, to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to you. I mean, in other words, that is the mantra of the Christian living in the here and now is that, hang on, it's not as bad as you think. As bad as it may be right here, it's all gonna be restored someday. You're all gonna, you're gonna spend eternity in heaven with the Heavenly Father and you're going to be close to His side uh, forever. And so those are words of comfort that can get us through mm -hmm. and uh, that can help us in our journey through this life. Yeah. And, I, and I, as I read through passages like the Psalms, I see that same idea, that, that same idea. And, and often David and the other psalmist would, would cry out to God, why? Why am I going through this? This is hurting so bad. And when is this going to end? And when are you going to vindicate me? But in the end, it always came back to God is my rock and God is my shelter and God is my refuge. Exactly. We hear people say so often, God will never give you more than you can handle. Right. Well, 
Scripture doesn't detail that for us. In fact, Scripture shows us the opposite. You read the Psalms and you see David felt like he had a whole lot more than he could handle. Mm -hmm. There are people that I deal with in real life situations that feel like they've been burdened with more than they can handle. It's not that God will give you more than you, or not give you more than you can handle, or give you more than you can handle. It's that God is there when you feel like you have more than you can right. handle. That he is there in the midst of your suffering and your turmoil to help you get through it. Uh, when James said, consider it pure joy, he wasn't saying that trials are really good things that you can't see. Uh, in disguise that, you know, when something bad happens to you, that's really a good thing. No, he's saying that there's good that can be produced from it. Right, but right. the building of your character and drawing close to God and all those kind of things. But we don't often think of suffering from a beneficial perspective. But I think if we did, it would change the way that we look at it and the bigger picture. Right, absolutely. And I think about passages like Jesus saying that, that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground uh, without God knowing it and that God knows every hair on our head and and just to be reminded that that God cares about us in those those horrible moments because they do hurt and we don't want to uh, make people feel like oh that's no big deal just just right. wipe it off and go on um, that these are these are are big issues and they they hurt and they suffer and people are really wondering but we just want to reassure people and I appreciate your thoughts today that God is there, that God does care about them, and that His Word provides so much comfort to help us to see the bigger picture, and that even in those, those worst of circumstances, uh, good can still come about for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And, you know, I, I think about the, the 23rd Psalm and, and the comfort that comes from that. So, Chris, I really appreciate you being with us today. Uh, we've got one final, one final thought here just in a moment, so please stay with us. We'll be back. Uh, right after this quick message. Crosstalk is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ, located at 5382 Texas Avenue in Abilene, Texas. We meet every Sunday morning for Bible study at 9 and worship at 10 and every Sunday evening at 6. We also meet on Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're in the Abilene area, we would love for you to come worship with us. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Crosstalk. Now, here's a final thought from Wes. I want to thank Chris McCurley for coming on Crosstalk today and sharing his insight with us. Chris is such a phenomenal preacher and friend, and I really appreciate him sharing his thoughts on this issue. This is not an issue we take lightly. Pain and suffering are very real, but they're also very temporary. The Bible says in James 4.14, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. This life, however pleasant or painful it might be for us, will be over someday. Then if we've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity with Him in a place where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tragedy, and no more death. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, I'm a Christian, and no matter what horrible things life throws at me, I'm going to remain a Christian and spend eternity with my God in heaven. That doesn't mean we enjoy suffering, but I have to keep in mind that God is bigger than my problems. He's bigger than your problems too. You can take great comfort in the fact that Christ and His church are here to help bear your burdens. If you'd like to talk with somebody, please give us a call at Baker Heights. The number is 325 
692-6974. We would love to visit with you. Or if you have a question about something you've heard on the show, you can email us at questions at bakerheights.org. We may even include your question on a future episode so others can benefit from the answer as well. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and family about Crosstalk. It airs every Wednesday at noon right here on The CW, and you can find an archive of past episodes on our website at bakerheights.org crosstalk. Come worship with us at Baker Heights. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.